Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. Oh, and Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. You, we really should just let you do the music. I don't know why we're going out of our way to find professional music when we've got a professional musician right here. Obviously, I'm the talent, and everybody's just automatically turned it off. And, like, and we're done. I don't know what that was, but I guess it's over. I don't want any part of it. So sorry. Sorry. It's always good to start right, right with an apology. Of course. Yes. Well. This episode is kind of the the part two slash continuation that we were talking about in our last episode about women in the alcohol industry. Yes, this is where I made my dreams come true. You did. I drinking all the gin that yes. they would serve me. Mm-hmm. It was very tasteful, tasty, tasteful. It and was tasteful and tasty. <laughs> that was a mixture of tasty and delightful, so um, I'm going to just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, you really worked to make this happen. It was beautiful. It was. And we should probably say uh, off the top, if you have any problems with alcohol, this is not the episode for you because it's sort of a cocktail hour. It is. Episode. Because we wanted to bring in a bunch of awesome women doing amazing things in the bar scene in Atlanta and have them make cocktails and then talk about what it's like, what's going on. Right. Um, and uh, it was very funny because our wonderful office manager, Tamika, she asked us, what do they need? And we weren't very helpful because... <laughs> not at all. We gave her a list, but it was of stuff that was very, uh, I guess, not your usual alcohols, shall we say. again, they are the professionals. Yes. And so, therefore, they have very specific ingredients to make their whatever signature cocktails or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so, when we were like, uh, Kahlua? No? No. Oh, oh yeah. no. Okay. <laughs> and she bought a fifth of everything, which was quite we, hilarious. We have a lot of this in the office right now, and it's yes. a delight. We did not drink at all. We have not. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and we we this was a continuation of um, me meeting Tiffany at Atlanta Food and Wine and her introducing me to a bunch of amazing women in this industry, and we it's something we want to return to because we're hoping to do a uh, sminty-themed cocktail. Yes. So if anyone listening 
is, you know, curious or has any talent or want to experiment with a drink. Dude. We're looking for a sminty drink. We are looking for a sminty drink. And just so you know, Annie and I are big fans of gin. Yes. Very big fans of gin. Also would love a non-alcoholic version. Oh, yes. So everyone can partake. We would love a mocktail. Yes. Um, and just a heads up before we get into this, Samantha and I will be at She Podcast Live. Doop ba doop ba doop. Um, I don't know why that, that was. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, that was a new one. See how cool we are? That oh. you can experience that coolness. Yes, live the entire time. <laughs> Annie will be talking, and I'll just be doing theme, theme music. And You're we, welcome. We won't have our super producer Andrew to edit, so it'll be very exciting. Uh, yeah, we'll be there this Friday. This Friday being the 11th. October the 11th, because yes. I don't know when you're listening to this, right. of 2019. Of 2019, yeah, because people do like to throw back, so yes. yes. Um, at 12 p.m., and we'll we'll be talking about women supporting women and what that looks like. And then we will also be with our friends over at Unladylike, yes. the past co-host and forever creator. Um, we're going to be participating in what sounds like a game show where we're going to look like we're going— I'm going to go in as a character. Oh, are I you? I don't know what character yet. Well— but. As we are talking about alcohol right now, I will be. I already told Caroline that I would be sitting with a, a beverage in my hand, and she was like, "All good. That'll be the better." Oh, is that allowed? Oh yeah, apparently. perfect. She's like, "Why wouldn't you?" I was like, "Fair, perfect." And we'll be uh, we'll be at a bunch of other events that are happening there. Right. So there's a few parties happening. You yeah. should be there and join us and come say hey to us. Yeah. So if you're interested, come check it out. But in the meantime, uh, we think you'll definitely enjoy. This cocktail hour, which uh, before we even get into, shout out to super producer Andrew and also guest super producer DJ Dave, because uh, he was running around with a shotgun mic right. as we were oh having that, a conversation. So that dude had to run around. We owe him. Yeah, we <laughs> owe him big because no one paused. Everybody just kept talking and kept going from one person to, and we had about what one, two, three, four, five, six of us. Yeah. Um, sitting around and having a conversation, which, by the way, it got really awesome because at one point, they started asking each other questions, yeah. which was fantastic. I was like, oh, sweet. I'm just going to sit here and listen to all of this good conversation because they were trying to talk to each other about how, how to support each other mm-hmm. and what it looks like to support each other. So it was really fun and really fantastic to um, be a part of that conversation. It got really honest and real, and, and that's just one of my favorite parts of talking to people anyway. Me too. So... Without further adieu, as they say, um, let's let them introduce themselves. But I guess first, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. 
With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. All right. Let's get into this interview slash cocktail hour. Let's do this. My name is uh, Tokiwa. Tokiwa Sears. Everyone calls me Toki. Most people call me Toki. I have the privilege of running the bar program at Bar Marco and the Four Seasons Hotel. I'm pretty much a native Atlantan. I guess I'm probably the most northern loving native Atlantan most people know. <laughs> hey. Uh, hey. You me too. too. Yeah. Grew up in Stone Mountain. How'd you get into bartending? (sighs) I'm just drinking and then like learning about drinking and learning about drinks. And honestly, I always thought bartenders were just like so cool. Like, that'd be so cool to be a bartender. You know, look at them go. And so I just had this love affair with food and beverage and I just love bartending, so or bartenders, but made me want to bartend. And here we are, ten years later. I was gonna say, how long have you been in the industry? For 10 I've years been now. in the industry probably closer to twenty years, but I've been bartending for ten years. Okay. Love food and beverage. Love cocktail culture. Connecting, getting creative, having fun. Love it. So what are you creating for us over here? I'm just keeping it simple. Well, I mean, outside of having to hand juice limes. I was going to say, you just juiced a lot of limes. That doesn't seem simple. (laughs) Making gimlets, one of my favorites. (laughs) I love making them at home. Um, And I figured, why not just go with a tried and true and do something nice and clean and refreshing and delicious. Yes. And gin. Love gin. Love gin. We love gin. We love gin. Okay, and we're also joined by Miss. (laughs) (laughs) I am Tiffany Berrier. Rhymes with Perrier. Those that have never known how to say my last name. Uh, I am a cocktail fanatic. Um, I'm so engulfed in history, and I really honestly love to drink. And you put those two together, and then they call you the drinking coach. Yes. That's my nickname in these streets. (laughs) Before there was an IG, before I had a hashtag, um, I have lived, I have, I've lived, I've worked, I've was raised by, <laughs> I've lived and I've worked, um, there's a story behind that too, but I, I grew up in a drinking family, I casually drank and entertained, where I set the family over and played cards and music and cocktails. Um, I come from a family who loves a punch, I just make it happen. Um, we drank and we shared and we laughed and no one was ever belligerent or fighting and things like that. So I thought it was so cool. Like they were doing this thing and they were so fun and smiling. And I'm like, 
can't wait to drink. Like, I want to do that, too. So I, I, I did drink young in age. I'm sipping, but with my family. And so it was just fun to see, like, something that you could take in and make you happier. Um, I won't say my age, but drugs are bad. And D.A.R.E. came out, and I was like, I'll never do that, but I will definitely drink, so. D.A.R.E. I mean, it was a thing. Like, McGruff and the fire guy were like, telling you don't do these things, but they didn't say don't drink. They didn't say don't, Nancy Reagan. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to do those things. And my family drank, and they were cool. So as I got older, I wanted to be cool, too. So I started drinking. Um, but the cool thing about it is I was tasting all kind of cool stuff because my parents kept a nice, cute situation at home. So I stayed under the cabinet. I sipped it all. And I got a bartending job and bartended until I got fed up with people asking me, are you gonna get a real job? And I was like, man, like I'm coming to work. Is this not a real job? The acceptance with family and friends are like, you can't do this forever, and you can do it forever. Yeah. Um, so it, it, <clears throat> bartending identified who I was. I don't know if I was having identity crisis, but bartending let me say, let me feel okay to be bubbly, okay to have a cocktail, okay to have a different palate, and okay to be nice to people. So you're not necessarily a bartender right now. What is, because uh, you're a part of Once the- Once a bartender, you're always well. a bartender. <laughs> I do not have a, I, I, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I do not have a bar home. Um, that is my choice. Right. I have been in this city working with some really, really right. cool people. I really highlight the word hospitality because using your resources in hospitality is really fun and we all need each other in different categories. There's so many categories of what we do, and I loved doing all of the things. And when you work at one bar or one chef or one brand or one city, it gets boring. So I said, screw that. Um, I want to do everything. And thus far, three years strong, self-employed, independent bartender. Love it. It's uh, creepy and scary, but my heart's so into it that um, I'm not broke, and I'm... And I'm never sober. No, I'm just. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's, it's a blessing for sure um, to really uh, look at the industry that we're in and figure out because we're all a bartender is a brand. You know, this personality that you are is a brand. So I'm like, I can brand myself. And so many brands and bars and chefs and farmers want to do cool stuff. I want to do cool stuff. I was gonna say you're kind of a big name when it comes to in the cocktail craft drinking industry, right? Uh, That's what I heard. That's the rumor on the streets. I'm likable. <laughs> I, I really feel that my success rate is because of my work ethic. And I'm likable. Some people are not likable to work with. Some people fail on multiple checkboxes on just doing a job. Um, I'm punctual. I'm fun. I listen. I don't listen sometimes. I, I say what I want to say. We make it happen. It's just cocktails. So I feel my success rate is my work ethic. Did I say I was fun? I heard that. Yeah, and I'm really fun to hang out with sometimes. You can just hear it in your voice. <laughs> We're sitting here talking, obviously. Uh, yeah, and people want that. People want to work with fun people. Right. And, and so I know Katie through her uh, current job. I kind of knew you a little before because uh, I was in the 
beer world. Yep. One of the things that I was saying to her earlier is like I saw the picture of you guys already hanging out, doing so many things. What are some of the events that you, I heard you were a judge for a couple of uh, contests. Contests? Is that contests? Is that what competitions. competitions. That's better. Yes. Competitions. Um, what are some of the things that you are involved in? What are some things that you are uh, being a part of, whether it's group, different types um, of groups or whatnot? Um... I, I'm learning how to be really proud of some things I've done. I'm currently on the advisory board, beverage advisory board for James Beard. Ooh. Big stuff, okay? You're a like big a, deal. Kind of a big deal. You're a big um, deal. James Beard is the Oscar Awards, the pinnacle of food and beverage. It's really chef-driven, um, and they sometimes leave the, the liquid side, the front of the house side, out of it. And so I'm on that board, and I get to make some kind of decisions here and there and actually keep this hospitable. Um, I also sit on Atlanta Food and Wines Board for now nine years, my, one of my favorite festivals ever. Again, just having an opinion and being present, um, a, a minority um, and all levels, gender and race. I ghostwrite for a couple of brands and cocktail creations, um, non-alcohol and alcohol. And I do judge competitions. And recently, I was into competitions. Ooh. And I oh, won. yeah. I just want to see. Well, I was kind of weird about it. But yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I do make great cocktails. I write them a lot now. And I type them up and submit them. But actually making them on the bars besides my house is, is not what I do. So I get a chance to just show some presence and be a little, a little twinkle star sometimes so can we just hang out and you just make drinks for me please hang out can we do me. this i'll bring all of the food yes yeah, yeah i'm not gonna cook anything but i'll bring the food there's oh, a reese yes exactly <laughs> that's my favorite thing in the whole wide world right. so they did that i'll bring some fried chicken if you'll just Done. feed me all the this liquors. is being recorded so own, own that <laughs> i like chicken i like chicken um so yeah it's cool to be uh i'm not old in the game just before i cocked well i'm old in the game um <laughs> I don't really know if I, if, yeah, I'm just older. I've been around enough to pay attention to the growth of it, but also keep it rooted. Right. Um, sometimes the word, you know, the words, the verbiage get all thrown all, all over the place and people are cool because of likes or maybe the chef they work for, the brand and that, and they are liked for that, but representing the hospitable side of it is my thing. Thing. Love it. So some of the questions we had asked before and would love everyone's feedback was, um, do you feel, because we were talking about some of the things that are happening in the industry, whether it's uh, sexual harassment or inclusivity, do you feel like those situations, especially like, let's say the Me Too era, and we know some of the things that happen within big restaurant industries or big name chefs, do you feel like that's being addressed more and more, or do you think that's still something that's obviously need to be maybe more voice or whatever, whatnot? Yeah, I mean, Me Too movement is all over. Every industry is Me Too movement. And we have been pretty quiet about what we do because we work in a very fun environment. We say behind you and in front of you and on the side of you. And we say a lot of things together within our own comfort of being in a very tight space that's high, you know, very, very busy. Um, and we keep our personalities in a place so we can give it to the guest. And I think that we have had things happen while we're at work that we're okay with. And they're not okay. Um, so yeah, there's always going to be room for more me too's. <laughs> always more room, um, but actually owning it, you know, I, I, I've seen it, and then I've seen it hushed, 
the, the, our community for sure has a voice as well on what's acceptable and what isn't, because um, there's still some silence around. And then again, another question, and all of y'all, because we kind of talked about it before. I mean, it's good. They did say that inclusivity when it comes to the involving women, people of color, LGBTQI community. How do you think, is there a better way or we, what else can they do to be more inclusive in this industry? Hire more people of color. <laughs> Hire <laughs> more women and not, well, I think um, for one, this is deep for me. This is my opinion on people of color in the industry. I had a very heavy conversation with a young lady who said to me, she doesn't feel like people of color should be in the service industry because we've been serving for so long. So why would you want to do it now? Me being me, I'm like, okay, facts, that, that's facts. Nevertheless, when you think about the history of service and you think about, yes, we were, we were serving some our people, our, whether they were uh, Hispanic, um, Asian, or uh, black, the people that they were serving were pretty profound. But these profound, rich people who hired this help also hired the most articulate and the prettiest and the, the, the most educated and clean and the etiquette was so tight. We own service, so own it. Like stop suppressing it and be like, you know what? Actually, I do know how to make the best, I almost cursed, old fashioned <laughs> because, because I've been making this old fashioned, I've been making this old fashioned at my grandpa's house or for the preacher of our church or I know how to pour a glass of wine properly. I know how to polish glassware. I know these things because unfortunately my ancestors, my mom, my grandmas, my aunties, we did this. We, we did this thing as little girls or little boys, like we know how to serve, so own it. Own it all the way. So when I hear like hire more people of color, some people of color don't want to do it. However, there are some really talented, I'm speaking on the chef side, black chefs, women and men. Um, for the women, most male chefs of color always say, you know, my mom taught me, my grandma taught me, my aunt taught me, but there's no women in kitchens. So I'm like, so what's up on mom's recipe that you're in here fixing? So I think more people of color that actually honor it with some history and some substance would fix it. As far as women on the bars or women in the kitchens or women in the restaurant in general, like women don't have to be the host and the eye candy. Women don't have to wear a certain kind of outfit. Yes, we are nicer. We have estrogen, of course. We're nicer. We know our role, but don't hire the woman for this role. So I would love to see more women in other roles, like maybe put a woman on fry. She might really like to be down on fry or on the grill or put a guy at the host stand. Like women want to see a nice, handsome guy when they walk in. And as far as the gays, I mean, we need the gays everywhere. Come on, like, LGBTQI is a thing. Um, we've been hidden. We've been um, put for entertainment purposes. Um, but we have bills, and they have to be paid, too. So honor thy neighbor. Yeah. Ooh, sorry, I have to take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> That's really Gimlet. 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 It's delightful. Toki's Kimlet. Toki's yes. Kimlet. Thank you. Cheers, cheers. We should screw that up again, too. I'll just keep drinking now. We can do it. I also want to add to that as well. I have heard that before as far as black people, people of color, saying, oh, okay, well, we were, you know, serving people, et cetera, et cetera. Around the time, you know, Bar, especially when bartending actually became a real profession. It was actually a very, very noble profession. I think that one of the ways to kind of um, build more inclusion and, and bring in more people of color, more women, 
I mean, into into more professional serving career options is to also um, open up the education to where they see it as a viable career option mm -hmm. instead of, you know, it, we all work extremely hard. We're extremely, you know, talented and knowledgeable and we just weren't that way just because. Like, we've worked hard, we've read, we sit at bars, we ask questions, we've gone through uh, the ranks of getting certified and all of these different things that we wouldn't be able to be a successful independent bartender or, you know, run bar programs in five-star hotels without having that structure of, of your knowledge and, and working along these chefs and just basically working hard. So I also think that opening it up to where it's shown as a viable career instead of being shown as something you do when you're in college or something you do because you don't have any other choices. This is what I chose to do. Um, I think that would help as well. Um, I do often have people approach me, you know, how did you, how are you afforded the opportunity to, you know, be on this show or be in this magazine? It's like, it's because I, you know, you see like the, you think it's glamorous. You don't see the hard work involved. You don't see, you know, me cleaning the bar every night. You don't see um, me being able to have to adjust my personality and, and, and my verbiage per guest, per guest, per guest, per guest, and try to cater that experience um, individually. You don't see all the books I've read. You don't see, you know, the network of these bartenders that we all know all over this country, all over the world, they don't see all of that. And then when you say, well, do these things, read these books, check out Bar Smarts, check out these avenues to grow as a skill set. And then they're like, wait, what? Because they think it's easy, right? They think it's easy. It's like, oh, okay, you're cute. Wow, you did this, cool. It's like, no, I've been like doing this like through, yeah, like I've been grinding. I've, I've had to, you know, be very resilient through these years. I've been that only woman bartender behind a bar. I've been bullied. I've been this and been that. I had to stay extremely strong and put together to make it to where I wanted to be in my career. So I think showing it as a viable career option and showing the work that's involved, because as far as especially African-Americans are concerned, you want to talk about, you know, labor and, 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 and trades and skill sets, mm -hmm. you know, after slavery, we had a majority of those skill sets, whether it's welding, bartending, cooking, whatever, we had those skill sets. It's just another skill set. It's a viable, there's nothing wrong with it. It's mm -hmm. a good trade job. It's a great trade job, a lot of reward, and it's fun. And it pays the bills. And it pays the bills. <laughs> Amen. Um, since you brought up and each time we said service, which obviously there's a reason for that being a hang-up, do you think it would make a difference not only for people of color, but for people in general, like you were saying, getting people to realize that it's an actual career, mm -hmm. if we stopped calling it the service industry and, sure. and talked about it as hospitality? Because that's what you were putting a nail on, like, no, it's hospitality. It's me making you the drink that I know how to make the best because I know you're going to enjoy it and like me having, taking the time to make you have a good night versus. So. I think it's purely just the way people think about it. It's yeah. like service makes it sound like it's work, like it's a job, like which, and I mean like tedious work that you don't want to do. Like it's not 
anything to enjoy versus hospitality has a, has a more positive ringtone. And I wonder if people would have a different perception of what we're doing if we change, like if we quit calling it that. I'm just curious. Um, great question, Katie. Um, <laughs> I do think that the wordplay is a very thin line between like the wordplay, um, the actual definition of service, the actual definition of hospitality. They're clearly going to be something different. Um, there are universities that have a hospitality department. There's people that I've met that have a degree in hospitality, and I'm like, you went to school for this? You went to school, you spent money on this when it's, quote unquote, the hard knock life, like it's the principle of life. Like what we do for service, I'd say is it's unnatural. Like you want to do it, you, you just happen to just like being nice to people or giving to people or, you know, just give, yeah, there's no other word. Like I enjoy this gift of humanity. Um, I feel if you um, spell service in cursive, it says <laughs> hospitality. You know, I, I don't, yeah. I, I think it would be a very good survey to say, you know, do you feel like service is the old church hymn of work and or is hospitality like, I went to school for this, I know, because those people didn't do it naturally. I mean, maybe they did, but we would be acing every class with like triple A pluses in hospitality school. Well, I think maybe hospitality school is more like the technical aspects, right? Like, like, like refining your verbiage. Um, um, management track, you know, um, um, you know, a lot of people don't know how to set a table. Where's the, where does the dessert spoon go? Where does your water glass go? You know, those kinds of things. I think also maybe, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm a college dropout. I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm assuming that. Right, but not a lot of people don't know that etiquette. People don't know etiquette. People. people don't know etiquette. But I do think that there is a difference between service and hospitality. And I also think that hospitality, that I tend to see that term geared more towards um, like the resort, the hotel kind of avenue of what we do. Because hospitality me meaning more so like, okay. Welcome to the Four Seasons. You're at home for the next four nights that right. you're here. Yeah, and yeah, I have yeah, to do yeah. everything yeah. possible to make you really feel like this is your home. Yeah. You know, versus, you know, coming into a standalone restaurant, like enjoying a meal for a couple hours. When I worked at Emeralds, it was definitely hospitality heavy, but we were also service heavy because uh, I remember my manager said, hospitality like to set in tables when you were two forks, the, all the water, you know, what's the water glass, whatever. But our service was how we made those people feel, like we anticipate their needs, mm -hmm. how we take care of them, how we're nice to them, how we make, like, just saying their name over and over again. That was part of the service part. The hospitality part was making them feel welcome. So it goes hand in hand. I mean, I don't think it should change. I don't feel like it puts any damper or downgrade my, what I do. It's just kind of like a, it's just like one transition to another. You could be in hospitality and all you do is sit at a desk at a concierge service. But service is when you take care of those people and you want to do it and you go like, hey, Mr. Robinson, welcome back and we have this for you and we, we want to make sure you're taken care of. Or That's where the service parts come for me. And I don't, I don't take, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I just feel like they're just, mm -hmm. just one, they, one leads to the, to the other thing. 
it just kind of rolls right in. They're in tandem. They just go together, just regardless of whether you say it one way or do something else. There's your hospitality is welcome them in. The service is how well you take care of them. So it kind of leads into that. Yeah, so, like overlap. Yeah, I don't think you need to. Uh, the verbiage shouldn't change. Um, it's, I've never felt like that made me feel like I was a servant. You know, I'm giving great service, and that means I'm going to make sure you're taken care of, and that's just really it. I shouldn't, it's not really a big deal. I mean, if somebody feels that way, then you are in the wrong business, friend. Yeah. I just kind of just don't even, because if, if that's something that small bothers you about being in the service industry, then Jesus. You have you a don't, lot. You don't need to be yeah, because do you know you're here to take care of people? You're here to make them great things. You're here to do great things for them. You can't be bothered by something that's not directly. I don't know how else I could put it. Yeah. But it's a noble. It's a noble industry to be in, right? right? Yeah, you and don't jump in here for money. No, 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 no. You take pride in what you do. Yeah. And and it's a it's a it is a noble industry to be in. And not everybody can do this. Right. And people that look try to look down on someone in the service industry. I'm We're not supposed to curse, but they can kick rocks. <laughs> I am in my 40s, and my mother still goes, are you trying to go to that university? I'm like, do you know, do you know how old I am right now? Do you know how long I've been doing this? I'm, and I, she still, even when I have like articles or whatever it's written, I'm doing stuff, she still doesn't believe it's real. I'm like, I don't even show her anymore if yeah. I'm doing something or whatever, because I'm like, right. she's been, I'm like the hope of hopes. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate and I love you for wishing that even at this old age. My family's like I mean, there's still, as I said, I'm, I've never right. had to lean, I mean, besides the usual family support, it's a great, this is, this industry um, has done me good service. Like, I love what I do. I, right. I, I make money at it. I've moved my way up, worked hard at it. And, you know, again, people still, some people still don't see it. Right. Every day it's, I mean, they're from the old school. They stay want to see you go back and finish that law degree. You're like, ah. <laughs> like well, but there's this bar over here. I mean, I could do that. So that is but, another good question, because I know just in talking with you guys and I'm asking you, like, how do you feel about the, you know, sexual harassment stuff? People in the service industry, people in the hospitality industry, people being a bartender, women specifically, have to have really, really thick skins. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys go through oh. some hard... So one of the questions, one of the things I ask, let's say we're bringing in young, uh, young women or those who identify as female, coming in and be like, you know what, I do want to be a part of this industry because I'm fascinated by the alchemy aspect of creating something different or doing something perfectly or, or learning or being in co competitions. What would be a piece of advice you could give to them <laughs> as a warning? As a warning? <laughs> no, just, okay, you're going to give a warning. Advice. We'll say piece of advice or warning, yeah, either yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, okay, so sexual harassment is, is in a lot of industries. I don't think that it's something that the service industry well, has. I guess it's open for you. Maybe. Maybe. I think it's a, it's a bigger deal just because you're at a bar. It's kind of like more of a free-flowing kind of a situation. Right? It was, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I mean, that may be a way to look at it. If I were to say one piece of advice, to anyone, because I don't necessarily, I, I've, I've known men to be sexually harassed. It's not, yeah. it's just not a, the, a woman's struggle. Learn how to <laughs> say no and mean it with a smile. Yeah. I kind of want to piggyback on what Toki just said. Not necessarily related to um, harassment necessarily of any sort or like inappropriate behavior, but learning to say no in general because as much as this industry has done for us and given us and picked us up, I don't think any of us can argue that it is also an industry that can take advantage of your time mm -hmm. 
and your personal well, like how much you have to give, mm -hmm. you can't, like getting paid time off is not really a thing at a bar, like things like that. And you, if somebody calls out and there's only two people there, like you, someone has to feel like, you can make it work. But it's not a place where it's like, oh, it's fine. You could, can't make it on Fridays, whatever. Um, but like, if you're gonna stay, learning to say no and like learning to not, if you're like, I think many of us are, not feel guilty about being like, no, I can't pick that shift up. I cannot work this eighth day in a row for you. I cannot do such and such. Like, I have to go home and sit with my dog. So two different no's, like a customer no or like a coworker no of like, please do not touch me, and a no of like, this is my time. Like, I got to go. Like, this is not my whole life. I love it here. I love what we do, but I won't tomorrow if you don't let me go home right now. Yeah, I, I had to, learning that was important for me. Because I did, I felt guilty when like, if you're relied on, if you say no, and like, oh, they're not gonna rely on me anymore. Like if I, if I don't just like, I know that's not true, but the feeling, but the feeling of being like, if I say no now, well, then I'm not gonna get it next time. Or whatever, yeah. I think, I think, not me, but I think most women are raised to be as appeasing and nice and accommodating as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's kind of where that issue comes from. Saying no, like you said, no. You told a man no? Mm -hmm. Like, no, sir, please don't call me sugar Um, My name is Toki. That's the second time. Second time. Sir, yeah, or whatever. <laughs> sugar too? I mean, yeah. yeah. I got finger guns. <laughs> yeah. Finger guns and right. sugar no, Both sir, of those please, things. Please, I'm, my name is not Little Lady. Um. My name yeah. is Toki. What may I offer you to drink? Little lady. <laughs> I mean, I'm six foot two. I'm not far from <laughs> little lady. But anyway, yeah. Um, I think knowing yourself, walking into it, is really important because we do have to put on the Ritz when you get to work. You do have to put on the show. And we all don't wake up as bright and bubbly as we think, unless sometimes you're me, and it's kind of creepy. Um, <laughs> why am I so happy? Because um, I'm blessed. But I, I think knowing who you are, like we're different people at home than we are at work, or you might be the same person at home and at work. Um, I've worked alongside Toki before, and I've seen her get it together. I've worked with, along with Keisha before, and she's like, we're, we're doing this. Like, it's a, it's a flow, and if, if Katie as well, it's just a, you just kind of click in to your, your quote-unquote role, your acting role, your character, your work ethic. But I think knowing who you actually are after work and at work is very, very, it's a good safe zone to say, this is what I'm doing, this is what I want to represent, this is what I'm putting out there. Also, what, able, what, what you're also able to accept. You know, if you are going through things at home, you know, getting to work, you might get, you know, it, you might expound a little too much and be too sensitive and it could mess up the way you work um, or vice versa. Maybe work is a horrible place and home is a great place and you get to work and you're just an angry face. So I think knowing who you are um, as an individual, which who, do we really know who we are sometimes? But I think knowing who we are when you get out of the car, or <laughs> I did get a little deep, but I, I think about that because 
Um, we work in an industry that is giving all the time, so you have to be rooted in something um, like your personality or your brand or the actual goal while you're working there, not just money, 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 money. You definitely, well, a lot of people don't know who they are, but Facts. it helps. Facts. It definitely helps. When I first got in this industry, <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> I was scared to death to talk to people that I didn't know. Like, trembling, scared, like, you're a stranger, I don't, mm, mm. like, it terrified me. Long story short, the point I'm trying to make is that if you let it, and if you work hard, and you really allow this industry, it will teach you so much about yourself, mm. in that you're learning about other people if you're paying attention, and it will, if you allow it, it will allow you to chisel away and it almost trains you to bring out the best qualities of yourself, like when you have to, like when you need to. You know, I'm having a bad day, like get it together. Mm -hmm. And you kind of learn how to manage yourself and manage your emotions and manage your, you manage you because it's not about you. Unfortunately, like when I'm, when I'm at work, it's not about me. Well, that's the, Do that's I have, the thing. Yeah. It's the hospitality part. Exactly. And it, it lets you like, that's the... It's almost like, it's strange, but it's almost therapeutic, but it's like you give so much to others, it's not about you. But in, in that, you learn so much about yourself and how to manage yourself and how to um, manage your feelings. And it's not the end of the world. That's it. Life is good, though. It's not the end of the world. But yeah. When I thought about what to bring, I knew that my sisters here were gonna bring stuff, and I was like, I don't know, I'm kind of in a brain fart. What am I gonna make? Blah, 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 blah. Um, because when I'm not bartending, I do have a life. I do other things, and I do have a full bar in my truck. I grew up, again, in a very fun family where it's a party anywhere. Yes. Uh, and our, what we do is, a, it's a lifestyle. But because of what I do is a lifestyle, then there's times that you could be at an event and we're short of glassware, we're short of who needs a bar spoon or who, like, whatever. I, it's like a big purse. I'm like, let me look in my purse and see what I got. Um, but I have, I, I keep a flask on me at all times. I have since I was 21. My grandfather had a flask. I just thought it was so cool. He would just pull out a flask and take a swig. And I'm like, that is the coolest thing ever, <laughs> that you have liquor on you at all times. <laughs> but as I got nerdier and got more educated into the industry and booze and you know, different uh, components of this industry, the flask was something that I used to hide. Like if people see you drinking, they're like, oh my God, you've been drinking out of it all day. And I might have been. Or, um, or it just may be there like, for... It doesn't, flasks do not hold that much alcohol, and... I just you can hide your Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if I do, if anyone ever does see me with my flask, they kind of look at me like, oh, I'm like, did you want some? Like, yeah, and, I, right. and I'm not yeah, like, did you want some? I'm like... No, really. You know, like, yeah, you know, in, breaking case of emergencies. Um, but I am always safe. Um, but the flask was um, created by a woman, and I once I found that out, I was like... Like in the, general? Like in general. No, um, most flask, um, let's go prep, yeah. Um, flask with a curve, this is prohibition time. Uh, look at my trusty sister pulling a flask out of her bag right now. The curvature on a flask was supposed to be placed in a hip 
hence the hip flask or the side of the bosom or maybe sometimes in the arm. Prohibition was crazy. Like, could you imagine right now if the government told us, all right, guys, we ain't drinking no more. What? <laughs> That's like one day them saying, hey, guys, pork is no longer available in the States. And I use pork a lot because people are like, mm -mm, I don't do pork. I think we're going to die. Um, but if the world just, if America's, the rule was no more alcohol, and that was back then. Um, this is, you know, post-World War I. Like, this is, this is America being built, and then they stopped the liquor. Um, yeah. <laughs> so just knowing, like, just thinking about who I would be or where my upbringing would be if there was no alcohol, I feel like it'd be kind of strange. But anywho, um, speakeasies are being created. There's mills and women and, and having, um, they're still having drinks, but smuggling is real. And uh, women were not searched. They were not checked on. And it wasn't even appropriate for a woman to be in the bar unless she was in the arms of her man. So what did her man do? Hey, babe, meet me at the bar. Mm -hmm. I'll bring this club soda. And you bring this liquor. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they did. And so smuggling alcohol was um, behind the scenes, but it was, you know, it was definitely embedded for women to not look the part because a woman would dare not have <laughs> liquor on her unless it was Thursday. Because what was Thursday? Well. That's ladies' night. It's ladies' night. Yeah. <laughs> it's ladies' that's night. Where, that's where ladies' night comes from. Yeah, that's where ladies' night comes from. Yeah. Yeah, so on Thursdays, they would let women into bars. So. And they were loaded in alcohol. They were smuggling in those pretty bustles and petticoats and all that good stuff. So once I found that out, I carried two flasks with me at all times. <laughs> <laughs> in, honor in honor of me, but in honor of my ancestors. But I just know, I, I think it's cool. So I brought a flask of tequila, the good sugar. Um, some of the best sugar you can have is agave, and I thought I'd share with you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Can I Thank just you. like tiny little bit because now we're talking about like women just starting booze. Um, that that's if nobody knows that women were also the original brewers. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's also where the stereotype of a witch comes mm -hmm. from. Yeah, beer witch. Really? Yeah, yeah. So before men mm -hmm. and specifically Christian men, thanks. Catholics. Um, I grew up Catholic, that's fine. Uh, realized, A, mostly that you could make money right. off of brewing. Brewing, whether it was beer or cider or whatever, was mostly an in-the-home practice or in your small community practice, and it was pretty much only women that did it. And alewives would wear tall pointed hats to be, so that you could spot them in a crowd and be like, huh, that lady has the beer. Nice. Um, they would put a broom on the top of their sign or like their doorpost or whatever to say, hey y'all, the batch is ready, like you can come over now. And often had cats because where there is grain, there is rats, mm -hmm. wow. thus cats. Um, and so then when dudes were like, wait, but money, and also just general control, mm -hmm. which at the time, the easiest way to get to control people was to tell them they were going to go to hell. Um, they turned, they demonized it, and it was like, oh no, that's that's what a witch looks like. So when like witch hunting became a thing, like they picked up that image to kill the female industry of making booze, and also to to push it into a more industrialized space.
That exact same story goes for moonshiners yep. um, and whiskey makers because to what you said about cats, um, where there are grain, there are cats, and women, the, the quote-unquote cat woman, uh, <laughs> the lady with a bunch of cats, that was like to pretty much dewomanize or make us weirdos, um, but that was to protect our, our crop. Protect grain, yeah. That is so cool. Right? <laughs> I did not know that. That's a big moonshine That story. is really cool. I, I told Luis, uh, the organizer of the Dames and Dregs Beer Festival that mm-hmm. celebrates the original brew, um, he wanted to have me partake this year, but it didn't work out. He's like, let's work on something for next year. And I was like, can I just like have a tiny one-person booth that's just me in a pointy hat, <laughs> kindly yelling at guests to the festival about where beer started and why witches are a thing. He's like, yeah, totally. Like, okay, that cool. Is, <laughs> that makes sense. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 that's totally what... Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I would totally stand there and be like, yell more stuff at me about stuff. Just, yeah, year, that'd be great. a year span of time to do some really in-depth research. Hell, that's yeah. One of the things that's so cool about this industry and what we do and... Beer, wine, liquor, cocktails. It's like you never know. There's no way anyone knows everything about this. Like it's so many different layers and culture and it ties into so many different things and people and cult. Oh, it's just crazy. That's really cool. I didn't know that. That's cool. Sorry. Look at us learning. I know. Over a couple of drinks. I mean, I think that's uh, to what you said. Yeah, it is really cool. It does bring back the the trade job of like, yeah, to make alcohol is not easy. Like, it's not making a cup of coffee. Like, when you're brewing or you are macerating or fermentating or like carrying things in a wagon, you know, towns over and all that stuff. Like, that was that was their choice. That was like a really hard job choice. And the fact that, you know, it was male and female together. I mean, from history, putting it down, it's male and female. Um, It's really nice to see more women accepted to what you said earlier with having the knowledge of it and having the face and the approachability to be like, I actually, with this drink, I I have a small story. All these liquor stories are told over liquor. We don't know how true all of it is, but... Some people wrote it down. Some of these scientists and these brewers wrote the recipes down. And um, that's so cool. Smart guys during the Great Depression. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) We have some more of our conversation. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer... Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Let's get back into it. All right, ladies. So we're going to slowly wrap it up. One, we have a lot of fruits in here and gin and things. And I want to, like, we should create one just for now of something. What could we do right now with what you see, ladies? Your, t- put your magic touch to this. We've got wine somewhere in here, I think, somewhere. There's not really that much, but we love gin. And there's, there's fruit. There's tonics. And... I mean, I would just Sugar. do gin and tonics and drop some berries in it. That's what I would do. <laughs> just drink gin and tonics like the Spanish do. How do they drink it? How do they drink it? Uh, Iberian style. Iberian style in a wine glass with a load of garnishes. Sorry, Ooh. I cursed. My apologies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's, I'm totally into how the Spanish drink their gin and tonics. It's my favorite gin Like glass. really, really tonic. good tonic, good gin, big fat wine glass like oh. giant and then just throwing fruits and herbs and berries and like, like really throw it. It. Yeah, it looks like we, we only have, have, have one do. goblet though yeah. i did it for food and wine last year this year <laughs> really? yeah basically basically you you depending on the gin you used if you knew the botanicals of that gin you garnished the glass with, with the those botanicals yeah. so you've got like the orange zest in there you got a lemon zest you got mm. some coriander flirting flirting it says flirting with the juniper berries inside and you know you have this lime wedge that's not squeezed it's just in there it's in this beautiful goblet and it's absolutely gorgeous and you're just drinking gin and tonic when i went to london cocktail week and i was like i'm doing gnts because i'm english do this so i was going like i was like i was like gnt please and it came out always in a big thing with all the stuff i was like this is my drink of the week. So I, <laughs> everywhere I went, I was yeah, like... You've been doing it wrong. That's what I, you're telling oh, me. Oh, yeah. So well, doing also, wrong. Americans don't really okay. seem to be on that gin train, and I would oh, really like that. Oh, it's getting back. It is getting, yeah. It's getting better. It's getting better. Well, I don't... I, I, when I was doing that thing with the cocktail thing at CNN and we told my vodka, I was like, you know, if you want a flavored vodka, just go ahead and order this gin. It's mm-hmm. totally right yeah. there. You can't... Don't ask me for it, Citron. Don't get me wrong. Vodka gets a bad rap, but... <laughs> <laughs> don't ask for some extra special vodka. If you don't want to open your palate up to something cool and amazing like gin, then I don't know what else to tell you. I'm um, just saying, I've got goblets. So. All right, we got goblets, so we're going <laughs> to try this. Fruits. I feel like we need to definitely do the gin and tonic, that style. Gobble, gobble? Yes, um, because I will drink that all day. Um, two. It's my go-to. Yes. I That's the, you know that every time I see you at Upbox Cons, we'll sure be asking. Yes. <laughs> and it'll be different every time. Yeah, I have an idea. You do? Oh, we got ideas. So let's, on top of that, um, if where can we find you social media-wise? Give us your tags. Give all of those things so we can come and hunt you and stalk you down. Um, <laughs> um, I am the drinking coach, spelled correctly, the 
V, not duh. And drinking, not drinking. Coach, I'm on IG, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, and I'm on the streets. <laughs> you can't find me at a home bar, but if you do follow me on IG, you can follow me and see where I pop up at. Um, I am at Miss Libation on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Tokiwa Sears. That's my name. What else? <laughs> I don't really do Twitter like that, but I'm at Miss Libation on Twitter as well. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And you can also find me at the best cocktail bars in the city, best restaurants in the city, or I'm at home. Keisha Cyrus, um, I guess you can find me on Instagram as Wino. It's spelled wine. Oh, yeah, that's what I came up with. <laughs> it, Yes, I'm a wino, and I also love wine and all that stuff. So on Instagram, I don't do, uh, and Facebook, Keisha. Um, yeah, and if you're ever around, you want to get dumb during the day, I work at Joystick, um, video games and cocktails. We, even though it looks like it's a divey bar, and it is, I mean, I, we could still make you a proper drink. So do not be afraid. It's always fun. So check me out. Um, thanks, guys. <laughs> Uh, I am at one more round on Instagram, one underscore more round. Um, I do not Facebook, just Instagram. Uh, and you can find me on the bar at Boxcar in the West End. In Atlanta. Yes, in Atlanta. Yes. So, like yeah. The unicorn. yeah the All these restaurants are in Atlanta. So if you come to Atlanta, please come and say hello to these beautiful, beautiful ladies with their fine, fine concoctions. And of course, they're fine, they're fine cells as well. So, um, anything else y'all want to add? <laughs> anything else we want to add? Drink gin. Drink responsibly. Drink, yes. Yes. Do drink responsibly and do drink gin. <laughs> and, oh, and, gin. and tip well and tip often. Yes. And I think I said it before, but Tiffany always says it. Don't order what you always order. Order something new. Try new stuff. Oh, 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 oh I'm oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I started to think. No, yes. Just real quick. No, real quick. I have one. Real quick. Plenty of wonders. Don't go to bars and order things that you make at home to drink. Let the bartender give you an experience. Don't go to bars and look at a cocktail menu and ask the bartender what's good. Let us know a little bit more about you, and we can guide you in the right direction. And if you're at the right bar... We can create something for you to cater to your mood or to you or how you're feeling or whatever the case may be. But let's think, think a little bit deeper because we wouldn't put drinks on the menu if we didn't think they were good. That's all I have. The 25 commandments of cocktails or <laughs> bar etiquette. Um, my one-liner, maybe two one-liners are, if you don't like the way alcohol tastes, please don't drink it. You don't have to. It's okay. If you don't like it, if it burns, if it does something to you, please don't feel like you have to do it. It's, it's okay. Um, and if you are lost at the bar and you don't know what to do, look at that awesome person that's getting paid to do the job and say, just make me something. Even though we're going to look at you and ask a few questions. But just kind of know what you like. And it's easy to start off saying what you don't like. That brings us to the end of this, our first cocktail hour. But hopefully we will have another one. Yes. Yeah, so thank you to them to come and 
just speaking with us about all of the trials and all of the goodness of yeah. being in the alcohol industry and also sharing with her, with us yes. the delightful tasty drinks. Yes, and um, the conversation honestly could have kept going. Right. Everyone was sort of like, well, well, we have to stop. And yeah. we were, yeah. It actually <laughs> kept going. <laughs> it yeah. did. It did keep going. We were like, oh. Well, they're trying to get home, man. <laughs> yeah. But we, we're hoping to do another one and, again, come up with that minty-themed cocktail, see yes. what other people come up with. And there were they were certain uh, other interviewees that we wanted, but were competing in competitions, yes. cocktail competitions, so they couldn't come. So um, maybe we will revisit this in the future. But in the meantime, thank you so much to all of them, and thanks to you for listening. You can, again, check us out, She Podcast Live, this Friday, October the 11th. In Atlanta. In Atlanta. That's also important. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And, uh, yeah, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast or on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou. I don't know why Samantha's laughing at me. But anyway, um, thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Old awesome. With help from guest super producer, a DJ Dave. DJ Dave. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff <laughs> so, Mom Never Told is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.